freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 134 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, today our theme is, how do you vote? Many of us are single-issue voters, the Second Amendment, period. And here's why. The stance a politician takes concerning the Second Amendment is more revealing than they would like to think. Wrapped up in one issue are that politician's attitude toward my civil rights, personal rights, human rights, women's rights, and the rights of their minority and lower socioeconomic constituents. You see, those who are anti-gun are also anti-civil, anti-human, anti-personal, anti-women, and anti-minority rights. We call them what they are the rights restrictors. They ask for my vote to expand their power and at the same time they want to limit my liberty and freedom. So while we're considering our votes at every level of government, we have lots of issues to weigh out. But for me, I will always support the people who support our Bill of Rights and protect our Second Amendment and invite you to consider doing the same in how you vote. All right. Well, our next guest is Dan Waz, author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical. This is the book that destroys the anti-gun left and exposes all of their lies and propaganda. And recently he published a second book titled Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative. Lately, Dan has been helping us to decipher the language used by the rights restrictors and activist journalists and the things that we hear and see in the media. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, Cheryl and Dan. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. So help us unpack what I'm talking about here. Help us unpack some of the language. Is it all very blatant or... Is it more subtle or a combination of both? No, a lot of it's very subtle, actually, and you don't even really notice it, but it does affect the way people think about, you know, about guns. Like, they'll say things like, well, what do you need a gun for? You know, mm. Nobody needs an AR-15. Mm-hmm. And they use this word need as if it was the Bill of Needs. Mm. And it's the Bill of Rights. They, they don't... Either they understand or they don't understand, but it doesn't matter because the way they use that word. See, they, they, I think most anti-gunners understand that um, the Second Amendment is a right. They don't want it to be, mm. but they understand that it is. They would much rather it be uh, your gun ownership be measured by some metric of need. So they'll use that term all the time. Nobody needs a gun. Um, and if it was measured by some level of need, it would be easier to 
restrict. Mm -hmm. Because now someone else would determine whether or not you, (laughs) Cheryl Todd, need Mm -hmm. a gun. Mm -hmm. So now you'd have some bureaucrat deciding whether or not you need a gun. So... So I think it works a lot, almost like uh, the way they've implemented uh, political correctness, where they know freedom of speech is a right, but they found a way around it. It's called political correctness. Mm. So same with gun ownership. They know it's a right, but they try to find their way around it with this notion of need. It's so true. And there's that. There's a shaminess not even sure that's a word, but it is now, a, a shaminess to a lot of the rhetoric that comes out of these activist journalists and the rights restrictors. You know, they'll say things like, surely we can all agree on right. some common sense gun right or gun laws. And so the implication there is that if you don't agree, you have no common sense, Right. right. And it's just all very, very shame-based. Yeah, because, I mean, we all, let's face it, we all, none of us want to be perceived as not having common sense. So even though the the statement, common sense gun restrictions, really doesn't make any sense, it, it it's out there and people will look at it like, oh, well, geez, I don't want to be labeled, you know, nonsensical, so I, I'm just going to go along. That's the idea. They want people, they expect people to just kind of go along with This is why... Hillary Clinton called uh, half of Trump supporters deplorable mm-hmm. because she thought that by labeling half of them deplorable, they would not want to be considered deplorable and go to the left <laughs> and vote for her. You see, it's a. Uh, it, you're right. You're absolutely right about the shaming. It's a. Uh, it's a shaming. It's categorizing. It's. It's all about for the Democrats. It's all about sitting at the popular table. Mm-hmm. They. Until now, they had the popular table, but since Donald Trump came in, he kind of kicked them out of the popular table and sent them to the to the mop closet. But <laughs> but until then, they had the popular table. So if you wanted to sit at the popular table, you had to eat from that menu. And if you, you know, most of the people who wanted to sit at the Democrat popular table, they didn't want to be ridiculed. They didn't want to be called names. They, that was the worst thing to them. Mm-hmm. Well, Hillary Clinton tried using that same Democrat strategy on conservatives by calling them deplorable, hoping that they would come to her side. Mm-hmm. They didn't, mm-hmm. because conservatives don't need to sit at the popular table. As a matter of fact, most conservatives want nothing to do with that popular table. Amen. So true. Well, we are conservative you know the name fits us right we're fairly independent minded we're we're fa- kind of keep our our uh, opinions close to the vest and you know we really we aren't the ones that are out there making our neighbors have to walk in lockstep with us uh and i i think that was a huge miscalculation on uh the part of uh Hillary Clinton and and i think that they're they're making huge miscalculations on that whole side that wants to um, to use the shaming tactics, to use this this language uh, that that tries to constantly force the rest of us to to get in line with them, because it turns us off. We we really we don't associate with it. I can still remember, you know, the the little uh, 
rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. So yeah, you're shamingness has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with you the the person that's doing the shaming and your small-minded opinion that you think you know everything that's best for me and my family right yeah exactly but the interesting thing is is that people on the left typically do uh, or typically are affected by that kind of shaming Uh, they they do uh, that does affect them and, but that's the difference. I always look at it like conservatives and liberals. They're different because of the way we think, mm-hmm. you know. And I always found that liberals, they don't want to be condemned like that. They, that's, it's important to them that they're accepted by their peers and that they're held with, you know, to high standards or, or whatever. So you can call a liberal uh, a name like Donald Trump does. And, um, <laughs> he does make it work. I, well, I'm always well, so shocked by that, that yeah. he'll come up with something. Like, well, it's kind of a, a goofy sounding name and that. somehow it really sticks. And it's like, oh, I feel so bad for the other side that, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they wither and, and fold in on yeah. themselves because he came up with a, a funny little nickname. But, um, you know, this whole idea of, you know, uh, people that have to have like a whole group around them and all of this we all agree and we have the the head bob and the lockstep going on yes we all agree master right and then we have the conservatives who are very independent minded but then yeah. you bring you bring a together a group of uh conservative minded independent minded people to a, an event like the gun rights policy conference that you and I were just at recently in Chicago and the AMCON, which is the alternative uh, mass media conference. And what, what did you see while you were there? Is it, is it, are we really the stereotype? Are we all a bunch of bearded 50 year old camo wearing dudes? (laughs) No, that's the funny thing about it. There are people from all walks of life at the, uh, at the, uh, gun rights policy conference. I, I, I was actually, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised uh, even to see, um, you know, liberal yes. gun owners. Yes. Uh, one, a couple of people were, you know, liberal progressives, but they support gun rights and they own guns. So, and then you had everybody from every race and ethnicity, every age group, yep. and um, every class uh, of. <laughs> You know, class, uh, financial class, yep. just, just fantastic. And and you know, typically, you know, you know, getting uh, conservatives together like is like, you know, herding kittens. <laughs> but, but but when you when it comes to something like this, everybody was there, and they knew why they were there. And when it comes to important issues and important topics and defending our right to keep and bear arms. Um, you know, conservatives and gun owners will come out um, mm-hmm. when, when necessary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, we're about out of time, but I want folks to know how they can follow the work you do, because when you put out these videos where you basically stop the tape and then you say, okay, here's what this news personality, right, this pundit really just said, or yeah. here's the, what the body language is telling us in this particular scene. It's brilliant. It's so important. I want people to know how they can follow that, how they can get a hold of your books, and whether or not you've got another book in the wings. 
Well, okay, the last question first. Um, yes, there is. An, I just don't know when it's going to be out. Uh, I'm not rushing it, taking my time. It could be another year. It could be two years. Who knows? Uh, but there will be another one at some point. And uh, as far as seeing some of those videos that you just talked about, analyzing the pundits, um, you know, dissecting the fake news mm-hmm. with a narrative, mm-hmm. um, I've done a couple of those, and you can get those at uh, Good Gun the Good Gun Bad Guy YouTube page. And uh, then you can also buy the book Good Gun Bad Guy or Good Gun Bad Guy 2 at uh, goodgunbadguy.net or go on Amazon. So there's plenty of ways. All you got to do is throw a Good Gun Bad Guy into into Bing mm-hmm. or DuckDuckGo or mm-hmm. your favorite search engine. Perfect. Thank you so much for all the work you do. Please continue going out there and helping us to, you know, have sort of a linguistic guide to what is going on out there. And uh, just again, thank you for all you do. Well, thank you. And hats off to you guys. You're you're really uh, you're really putting up. Uh, you're you're really uh, supporting supporting gun owners as well, and you're doing a fantastic job. Appreciate it so much. Appreciate you, Dan. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Stick around. We still have Sean Brodale. Now, Sean is a physician, a doctor, and he's a doctor who is for responsible gun ownership. Stick around. Lots to talk about with him. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 
Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, if you have missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content, all 133 other episodes. And when you want to put a face with a voice, click the Guest tab. You will find photos and links and articles and bios of all the guests we've ever had on. It is a wonderful resource, and we don't hate it when you spend some time there. Well, our next guest is Sean Brodale, Dr. Sean Brodale. He is a board-certified family practice physician in Iowa, primarily practicing in the ER, and is a member of Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, the DRGO, where he is involved in membership and public engagement projects welcome to the show sean thanks cheryl how are you very well and i am so excited uh to be able to talk to a doctor who values the second amendment and supports my rights as a gun owner because there's not all doctors do yeah it's unfortunate that it were kind of rare yes and the, so the doctors out there that are listening all across this nation that just perked up their ears and went, wait a minute, I'm not alone? I'm not the only one? <laughs> how, how would they find out more about this organization that you're a part of, the DRGO? Uh, we're found at drgo.us. And it's, uh, we also have Facebook page, um, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Very and good. And you, uh, and we're they, also found on Twitter. And they can join, right? They can join yeah. what you're doing, be a part of it, help support uh, the the idea that you don't have to either choose a doctor or choose your gun rights. You can kind of have both in America still today. Exactly. That's pretty important. So you and I met, uh, and Dan's here too. I rarely let him get a word in edgewise, but... Uh, <laughs> Are you are you telling me to talk right now, Cheryl? You you have permission, dear. <laughs> oh well, you can. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. So we met at uh, the gun rights policy conference that was held in Chicago recently, and the talk that you gave, I just felt like I wish I could have bottled every word of it and brought it to the audience. And so, whatever we can do in the next few minutes that we have together, um, can you talk to us about you know what what you spoke about there and what caused you to join a group like DRGO? Um, yeah, I, I got interested. I've always been a gun owner, but I was one of those, uh, non-involved gun owners for lots of years. And, uh, somewhere just after medical school, I realized that, uh, medicine was on the wrong side of guns. And so I started looking to see, are there any other doctors that feel the way I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found DRGO and then I listened to John and Dean uh, at the 2014, I think the last time it was in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, gun rights policy conference and got connected with them. And uh, they decided that I, that I was, and I was willing to come help them and, and, and kind of work with them. And I've been 
speaking at uh, gun rights policy conference with them for the last few years and uh, doing other things to try to help uh, promote our civil rights. Well, it's wonderful. So um, other doctors and other medical professionals, really anybody can join DRGO. You don't have to be a doctor. We'd like anybody who's, you know, a pro-gun person, come and help us. Uh, come and do what we do. We'd be glad to have you. That's fantastic. And so uh, one of the things that when you and I were chatting off air that you said is a favorite subject of yours to not only write but also speak about is, you know, this whole idea of quote-unquote gun violence and the research used for the medical community. Um, why is that important to you, and why is that important to the average gun owner? Well, yeah, of course it's important to me as a physician that, um, you know, I'm part of an organization and uh, a group of people that, that I'm, you know, in that doesn't really appreciate guns, at least on the outside, the, the big organizations. And so those big organizations um, tend to try to put out research that supports their bias against guns. Mm -hmm. And because doctors, of course, are very highly educated in medical things and uh, hold some clout in the world, uh, it, it's listened to. It's listened to by mainstream media, especially, mm -hmm. um, which then, you know, comes down to politicians begin to support that. They begin to listen to that. But doctors don't have any gun training in medicine. Mm -hmm. If they have any gun training or gun safety training, it's because they're for guns and they've done that personally. So it, it makes it really irritating that I'm put in that group of people because I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and they're doing research that really, really is, is not good research. Well, and that's, you know, it used to be that you would hear the phrase, a government research study. And that would mean that it was completely just the facts, ma'am. Right. It wasn't tainted with any political agenda. Or at least we thought so. And now, right, I know personally that that's keywords for mm, be very skeptical, right? And, exactly. And the fact that someone is an expert or highly skilled in one area, just like we see all these celebrities coming out and they're, they're you know, saying whatever the script is in front of them that's trying to tell us that guns are bad and people that own guns are bad and all of that. How many of them really did any research on their own and formed their own opinion i don't know but how many of us stop and think about that it's like just because they're an extremely good actor or actress and we respect them for their their expertise in that area just because someone's a very skilled doctor does that automatically mean that they're an expert in every single thing that they speak about publicly Right, and especially with doctors and those who are speaking out um, in the media or, you know, uh, running any of these physician organizations, you can expect just the opposite, that they don't know anything about guns. That's mm -hmm. so true. Now They're just, they're just parroting the things that, um, that they hear from everybody else, and, and they're making it sound like guns are bad, and... And certainly we know that they're not in the right hands. Exactly. 
So um, you have an opinion or two about these areas in our lives that are called, and this is in air quotes, gun-free zones. What What is your opinion on them? Do you feel like they're like the super most safest places ever? Well, you know, John Lott uh, has shown that 90% of all mass murders were done in gun-free zones. Exactly. We, we can take it right from there. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even though mass murders, they're out in the... Uh, the media and they make them sound like they're all of you know the problems with guns they're really a small part of uh, the murders that go on but Mm -hmm. gun-free zones are simply target-rich environments for Mm -hmm. criminals Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing to me you know how it's gotten again the, the guest before you we were talking about language use and how so many phrases have been sort of, you know, appropriated by the rights restrictors and, you know, gun free zones. It sounds great, right? It sounds yeah. perfect. It's free <laughs> of guns. If it's free of guns then it should be free of anything bad because guns are bad. Well, wait a minute. People hurt each other with a whole lot of other stuff besides guns. And, like you said, the, the bad guys, they already know, well, if there's nobody there that can match force with force with me, guess what I'm bringing? I'm bringing a gun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the worst part in, in, in my life is that I spend a lot of time in hospitals. And mm-hmm. other people have to spend time in hospitals. And most hospitals are gun-free zones, and that makes it very bad. It, we're only lucky that no one has used that. Mm. Um, in mm-hmm. the U.S., um, there have been a few healthcare-related uh, murders, but uh, it hasn't been a, a big uh, choice for most of these criminals. Uh, but most people, you know, you don't have a choice which hospital you go to. If you really get injured, you don't have much of a choice where you go. And there are only a few hospitals out there that aren't gun-free zones. So true. And I know that you're doing what you can do. Dr. John Adine, who's also part of the the DRGO, he's doing what he can do to just try to help change the, the minds and the opinions of those powers that be that keep you in these uh, places. You know, you've got to do your work in hospitals. And if they, they're not properly um, secured... <coughs> You know, then you really could end up with a problem on your hands. And, and I appreciate that you're trying to do what you can to, to lift those gun-free zone signs that really aren't keeping any bad guys out. Right, right. Well, we're almost out of time. I just want to be sure that people know how they can follow the, the DRGO, how they can learn more about what you per- personally are doing um, to help expand knowledge, actual knowledge about gun rights and gun safety, um, and uh, how people can reach out. Sure, if they just go to drgo.us, um, we have a blog post there. Um, I write there occasionally. John Adine will write there occasionally. We have a lot of other docs and, and other people who write there and kind of give people the uh, good side of guns. There were certainly uh, four uh, guns in the right hands, uh, not in the hands of criminals. Um, And while there, check out our 2adoc.com, which is a referral service so that you can uh, put put your name in there and we can possibly give you a referral to a doctor in your area who is gun friendly. And then you don't have to worry about the doctor giving you a hard time about guns or asking you about gun ownership. 
uh, when you go see your doctor on an everyday basis. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for all you do. And last time we were, uh, you know, emailing and texting each other, you'd been up for like 90 hours straight or something. So I, I hope you've had a <laughs> chance to get a nap at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Thanks for having me. All right, sir. We will talk soon. Bye-bye now. Bye. All right, stick around. We have Miss Erin Paulette coming up right after this. She is the president of Pink Pistols and the founder of Operation Blazing Sword, providing LGBTQ-friendly firearm safety education. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town, Avondale, off the I-10 and Dysart Road, and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our next guest is our friend Aaron Paulette, president of Pink Pistols and founder of Operation Blazing Sword, providing LGBTQ-friendly firearm safety education for the gun curious. I love that. So cute. Miss Erin is a blogger, podcaster, and public speaker. She is a Second Amendment activist, which frequently puts her at odds with the extreme left and a trans woman, which frequently puts her at odds with the extreme right. Despite this, she still believes that both sides have much more in common than they do in difference and tries to facilitate communication and understanding between the two. And you are brilliant at it. Welcome to the show, Miss Erin. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. I just I love any chance we get a, ch- a, a time to talk with one another. And you just announced some really big news. Uh, We were together in Chicago at the Gun Rights Policy Conference and in front of a room full of every kind of human being, not just old bearded white dudes wearing camo, right? Because the gun community (laughs) is all of us. You were able to announce your big news about a merger. Tell us about that. Well, I am proud to announce for all your listeners that Pink Pistols 
has merged into Operation Blazing Sword, and now I am in charge of both. Mm, And this is very significant because prior to this merger, Pink Pistols, which was founded in uh, 99 to 2000 by the late Doug Crick, was originally decentralized because it was founded back when being outed as gay was still stigmatized. And Mm. the idea was if there were membership lists, they could be subpoenaed. Mm. And so everything was very local and was about as organized as a bathtub full of cats. (laughs) And that (laughs) that, that was fine for its time, but we are in a different decade different Mm -hmm. century now and things have changed it is no longer a terrible stigma to be out as homosexual Mm -hmm. and we are linked via social media and people are proclaiming who they are they are proclaiming that they are gay they are proclaiming that they are gun owners you've got a select few who are proclaiming they are gay gun owners Mm -hmm. and so i felt it was time to leverage social media and bring the utility of not just a a network across the country and across the world, but also the 501c3 nature of Operation Blazing Sword and use that to help Pink Pistols. Because prior to this, if a chapter wanted to rent a booth for Pride or hold a concealed carry class, they would have to raise that money themselves. And if they couldn't raise the money, it just didn't happen. Mm. But now that they have been integrated into Operation Sword, I can now raise money across social media and I can get people from across the country, maybe even across the world, to donate and I can make that happen. And so that is the really big news. Now that we are integrated, it's less of a sister organization, more like a right hand helping the left hand and vice versa. That is so important and so fantastic, and it, you know, it shortens up the the time for communication and understanding, and that is so key to bringing people together, and so key to, you know, dispelling so much of the the myths that that fly around out there that, you know, you have to either be one thing or another thing. So you can either be a a gay person, right? who is liberal, or you can be connected to your gun rights. And you are living proof that those two worlds are not mutually exclusive. Oh, absolutely. It is my goal that firearms ownership be seen not as a conservative issue, not as a straight issue. I just want it to be seen as an American issue. Amen. Uh, for example, we don't have clubs in America that deal with, well, I'm gay and I own a car. <laughs> because we we don't need it. I mean and see yes, that sounds American. ridiculous. And yeah and the like, other thing you're American. Of course you own a car. Right. There, there's no stigma. And and that's exactly what I want for gun ownership. I love it. You know, and you do it so brilliantly because um I've seen you speak at Gun Rights Policy Conference two years in a row now. And you just kind of, you know, call out the elephant in the room. You kind of calm everybody's uh, nervousness about, well, what if I say the wrong thing? I don't know how to go up and talk to Miss Erin because what if I, you know, trip on my own uh, tongue or, you know, whatever. And, you know, you just kind of say, you know what, just just take the risk. I'm a human being. (laughs) Just ask me. I'm not going to take your hat off. Right. Oh, yeah. 
uh, one thing that I get a lot is people desperately want to know, but they are afraid to ask because they don't want to cause offense. And I keep telling them, sweetheart, the fact that you care enough to ask mm. is really you are making that very important, very courageous step to reach across and get to know me. And I'm not going to punish you for that. Oh. So if you make a mistake out of ignorance, yes. uh, I, I am happy to correct that ignorance because it's curable. Yes. And I will turn it into a teachable moment. Yes. And that is, oh, I, I get so upset at a lot of the perpetually offended yes. because they are pushing away potential allies. And it's like, no, no, just forgive them for not understanding your terminology. Teach them your language and they will understand you. That's what's really important. Just that dialogue between two opposites. That is beautiful. And we need so much more of that. And and I do think that it is the, uh, you know, the professionally offended and, and perpetually offended who are keeping us uh, divided into, you know, little silos around the country. And it be- it benefits and behooves them uh, because a lot of them are in, like, the mass media market. And if we can speak to each other, if we can be pals, if we can DM each other and text each other and, and you know, get to know each other that way, then we don't need to, to look to their headlines quite so much to tell us, you know, for me to, t- to have them tell me who you are, right? Absolutely. Because conflict sells. Yes. Blood sells. And so anytime the media can pitch a story about one side being against another side, that brings in ratings. And that's just the nature of media. Mm-hmm. But the best way to counter this, the best way to counter the constantly being pit against each other is to get to know people on a human level. I mean, that's one of the things that people are taught if they're ever in a hostage situation. You need to humanize yourself to your captors. So you tell that person your name, you tell them you have children, you tell them that you have hopes and fears. And the idea, and, and this really works, is that they stop seeing you as a thing, as an object, as an obstacle. They see you as a human being. And it's a lot harder to hurt a human being than it is to dispose of an object. Mm. And so by talking, by learning about each other, we humanize each other, we reduce that conflict. And uh, honestly, I am worried about our country today. I'm worried about how we are on this precipice of some sort of internal war, whether it's based on class or race or sexuality or other things. And I am doing everything I can to prevent it. And you can do. And really, the most effective and very easy way to do it is just talk to other people like human beings, normalize relations between each other instead of just screaming sound bites at mm. each other. That's the way to do it. It's so true. And so for, for people on one side of an issue, you know, lead with kindness, lead with uh, trying to truly understand. And then people on the other side of the issue do the same and then also, you know, be open to understanding that this person isn't actively trying to offend you. They're really trying to, to better understand you or your, the issue you're talking about, that sort of thing. And speaking of issues, we are on the verge of our midterm elections. And of course, everyone's losing their minds because that seems to be <laughs> the nature of politics these days. But as we mentioned in the lead-in, you really are a bridge between all kinds of worlds, but definitely political worlds. What advice would you give people who 
feel that they're forced to choose between their Second Amendment rights and their freedom to live, their, their Second Amendment rights, and then also separately their freedom to live according to their sexual or gender identity? That is a very complex question, and mm-hmm. it's one that I get asked a lot, and it's not one that I can easily answer. Mm-hmm. But the best advice I can give in a short amount of time is focus on freedom. Mm. Because in our country, what I see is, again, there's this false dichotomy of if you are um, if you are against something, you must be prohibitive of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to point out that you can be morally opposed to something without trying to forbid it. Mm. Uh, you know, y- you can be opposed to gay marriage, but, you know, if you're not gay, you don't have to go get one. So don't try and take that freedom away from others. If you do not want to own a gun, that's fine. That's your choice. Don't try to forbid other people from doing it. Always err on the side of more freedom. And so we do have, unfortunately, uh, a lot of queer people are caught with the whole, well, do I vote for the side that promotes my sexuality or do I... vote for the side that promotes the ability to, to defend myself. And I can't give a straight, you, you should always do this, you should always do that. Mm. Just consider the issue and really just go for the most freedom that is possible. And, and keep in mind that something that can be used to punish your opponent can also be used to punish you. Amen. So don't give your opponents ammunition in the future. Man, I just... Yeah, I wish we could just put that on a loop, a replay loop. Uh, everything that you just said there, it's so important. Um, you know, just the whole idea that if there's something I disagree with, fine. I dis- disagree with it all, all you want. But why do you have to try to impose your will over the person you disagree with? And uh, <coughs> keep that in mind as people are out there casting their votes this week. We are already out of time. I've got to have you on more often because you always are able to just drill right down to the core of a topic and make it so easily understand uh, understood. Um, but tell folks how they can find out more about both the organizations that have just merged and, you, and the, any of the work that you do. Well, we have our separate web pages. That's pinkpistols.org and blazingsword.org. And if you would like to know what I'm up to, I have a public figure page on Facebook. It's Aaron Paulette Operation Blazing Sword. And that's where I talk about what it is to be a queer gun owner. And, and I, I talk about queer issues and gun issues and how they frequently intersect. That is fantastic. Aaron, you did a great job in Chicago. And just keep up the good work, okay? Thank you so much. I appreciate having you in my corner. Oh, same here. All right, kiddo. Have an awesome day. Be safe and go vote. Actually, I'm going to vote as soon as we're done here. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Miss Aaron. We'll talk soon. My pleasure. Ask me back anytime. Uh, Absolutely. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right, stick around. We still have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary Um. right after this.
And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is the part of the show that we get to really celebrate the ordinary, everyday heroes that walk among us. This is our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Responsibly Armed Citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year? A woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Well, it has become part of an American tradition to grab up the kiddos and head out for burger and burgers and fries at your local McDonald's. When I was a kid, that was always a treat, maybe something we were allowed to do after our Little League games. So imagine that you are a dad, enjoying just such an evening with your two teenage sons. You are just finishing that last bite. You know the one, the perfect bite right in the center of the burger, perfectly sized so that you get All the flavors in one chomp. Now imagine that just as you wash down your morsel with a sip of soda, danger smashes through the doors of the restaurant. He is wearing a mask. He's concealing his face. He does not utter a single word but suddenly begins shooting indiscriminately around the room. His only goal is to maim and kill innocent people who are simply 
enjoying time with their family over their evening meal. Well, we all know how Danger had designed this to go. He hoped to see his name splashed across national network news as the latest mass killer in some twisted and evil idea of what fame is. Fortunately, though, Danger's plans were stopped in the immediacy of the attack because this dad, who was enjoying time with his sons, cared enough about his own life and the lives of his children to be a prepared citizen. And Danger was stopped from killing anyone because this dad is a responsibly armed citizen. I'm feeling grateful, you know, wrapping my head around it all. I was just wishing somebody to come wake me up, you know, from this nightmare. A nightmare that could have ended a lot worse for Marcus Washington and his co-workers here at the McDonald's on Lom Avenue. Yes, I was making um, two quarter pounders and, you know, heard three shots rain and then exchange a gun fire, two more. That exchange between a masked gunman and an armed customer who was leaving the restaurant with his sons at the time. Birmingham police say the masked man started shooting inside the restaurant. That's when the father began shooting at him. Meanwhile, Washington and one other employee hid in the freezer. Because all we hear is like, you know, different gunfire. So I'm in my mind imagining everybody did. He looking for us. Police say both the father and the masked man were hit along with one of the children. The gunman later dying from his injuries. Washington and other workers now thankful that customer was there at that exact moment. He might have wrote, because I can only imagine how it would have went if he wasn't on. You know, we might not be here having this interview. Well, you know, that's a, 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 the story is amazing that uh, an individual was able to save everyone. Everyone. Right? We don't even know how many people, customers, right? Staff workers. Uh, it's just incredible. And we, we one had to, guy doing had, the right thing. Right, and we had to dig for this information. This wasn't on national news. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously saved uh, people. But, you know, there was a thing that kind of disturbs me about this story. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Things like this are difficult for both families. Hmm. The gentleman who unfortunately lost his life, that would be the shooter. The murderer? The murderer. The teenage boy who is in the hospital recovering from his injuries and the father who is recovering from his injuries, Birmingham Police Spokesman Sergeant Brian Shelton said. Wow. The gentleman. The gentleman. Now. Not the murderer. No. The gentleman. That's horrible. So you can be a gentleman and walk into a a restaurant and start shooting at people. Something's wrong. Now, he could have just misspoke words. I don't know. But come on. Mm. I agree with you. you know, normally on these commentaries, I have to have something funny to say at the end of them, even though they're serious, and you know we try to make a little you know light of it. But I'm, you know, I'm just glad that they, you know they discontinued the Hamburglar, so now we do know who's the bad guy and not in McDonald's, right? <laughs> I see what you were going for there. Well, he had you know he had a mask on. Well, a Hamburglar has a mask on. He comes to steal your hamburger. That's true. That's true. But anyway, all right. You know what time it is now? No. Time for. Dan's commentary. Mm. Tell yourself who you already know. 
The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Thanks, Rocky. You know, most of the information I got from the NSSF, that's the National Shooting Sports Foundation, you know there's over 20 million people that target shoot regularly. 20 million. The firearm industry creates 329,000 jobs. They pay $3 billion in federal taxes and they pay $2.2 billion in state and local taxes. That's over $14 million per day in state and federal taxes. Wow. Right. And in Arizona alone. But yet we're the fringe. Right. (laughs) I don't think so. In Arizona alone, our retail sales are 437 million. Jobs are 6,800 plus for the shooting industry. And there's $1.1 billion in federal and state local taxes that are paid by shooters. Hmm. But yet the politicians hate us so much. Right. How does that make sense? I don't know, but we have 950,000 shooters in Arizona alone. Do you know what the 957,000 shooters need to do November 6th? What is that, Dan? It would be go vote. Arizona is in trouble, so go vote. The other 49 states are also in trouble, so gather your friends and get to the polls and vote. There are an estimated 52 million gun owners in the United States. Take some time this November 6th and make a difference. Go vote. I have some other interesting news. While the total number of target shooters grew by over 28% between 2001 and 2016, male participation was up by just over 14% compared to, ready for drumroll? Female participation, which grew by a whopping 81% from 2001 to 2016. Thank you, NSSF. That is phenomenal and you know i i i know it i feel it i see it but to to actually have it written out that way holy cow it's not fake news no go to the shot show and see if it's fake news yeah that's the thing i mean and there's people from all over the world that come to shot show of course that's industry specific so the average you know joe public isn't allowed there um to see but you there are tons of news stories done from there um so you do get a peek inside but you can definitely go to the nra annual meetings because that's pretty much you know the same group of of people the same mixture of gun rights activists wait are you talking about are you talking about the nra convention they have once a year where people can carry guns on on them loaded and there's never been an incident, and one people, the are, people are treated like adults. Are you talking about that NRA? That's the one. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that strange? It's, you know, it, it's not strange. I mean, the the rights restrictors want it to sound strange, right. but it's so not. It's and they so also, normal. They want to make us look like we're, you know, to be ashamed of, our, of what we do, too. Exactly. So. All right. Well, we are at the end of the show already. What? Where's the other hour? I we already did it we blinked and it happened but i just want to thank everyone so much what we do here you know dan and i would just be having an interesting conversation with each other if it weren't for uh ed 
thank you so much for all you do over there. He is our master plate spinner, phone dialer, uh, time keeper, zapper of me when I'm running too long. <laughs> I know he's giving me the, the dad finger. Don't, don't run long. Uh, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you to our amazing guests who come on and share with us the expertise uh, from their lives, from their experience. And to our listeners, when you take this conversation into your your dinner tables, into your carpools, into your uh, conversations around the water cooler, that's that's really what's important. And we appreciate that. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Well, we'll see how the results of that even, November election is. <laughs> then we'll even, see about it. Even the ones you don't like especially the ones you don't like be good to each other go vote an informed and educated vote involved vote have a great week and god bless our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since, evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. <laughs>